We celebrated Thanksgiving in Canada over a month ago, and usually, at the end of November, I am not really thinking about Thanksgiving. But somehow, this year, not sure why, I am very aware of this holiday in the United States. Maybe it's because I heard about an event called Christmas Begins at Thanksgiving. And I find this problematic at some level, mainly because it eclipses Advent. And I'm a big proponent of celebrating Advent and not celebrating Christmas until, well, Christmas. But that idea that Christmas begins at Thanksgiving is not entirely a bad one. I mean, we are a Eucharistic people. We are a Eucharistic people because of Christ. Eucharist is a word that means Thanksgiving. So as Christians, we are a Thanksgiving people. We have so much to be grateful for, even in the midst of suffering. And that's one of the reasons why we gather every Sunday at Mass, to give thanks. And perhaps the one thing that we are most grateful for is that God became a human being. God is not far away on some cloud. He is very much here. What God would become a finite and mortal human being? Our God, the God who is Emmanuel, God with us, the God who gives himself totally and completely in obedient sacrifice so that we can one day go to heaven to be with him. That's Christmas. That's Eucharist. That's Thanksgiving. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. We begin our program by announcing our two winners from last week. Denise DeRoche and Dorothy Ditto. Denise DeRoche, you've won a copy of Dale Alquist's book, All Roads, Roaming Catholic Apologetics. A great book. And Dorothy Ditto, you've won a copy of Rebecca Rubion's new album, Christmas Lights, also a great album, my pick for Christmas album of the year. So congratulations. A reminder to all of you that it's really easy to enter our weekly draw. All you need is your name and email address. Sign up at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Also, send me comments via Facebook or Twitter. Look for Deacon Pedro, and I'll enter you into our weekly draw. Today's show is co-sponsored by Novalis Publishing, Canada's premier religious publisher. Serving God's people since 1936. We'll be learning about some Novalis Advent and Christmas titles later on in the program. Today, in about 15 minutes, after our news and Saint of the Week, Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary, will be here live in the studio to tell us about dating in Hollywood. That should be interesting. And in our second half hour, we'll be speaking with our very own and dear Sister Marie Paul Curley. She has a new book, Soul of Christ, Meditations on a Timeless Prayer, and she'll be telling us all about it. That's in about half an hour. And after that, we get to speak with the very first singer-songwriter featured on this program way back in January 2009, Janelle. She's been busy since we last spoke with her. So let's begin with one of her songs. Here's Little Bit of Light from Janelle's album, What I Gotta Say. Reveal what you have 
That was Janelle with Little Bit of Light from her album, What I Gotta Say. And we're going to be speaking with Janelle in our second half hour. But now, here is Stefan with our news to tell us the Holy Father has been busy traveling. It's a very busy week for the Holy Father. So he was in Strasbourg, France? Yes, Strasbourg, France. This is actually the shortest apostolic yeah, he journey went, on like, record. He was there for, for the morning and then was home for lunch? Less than four hours. He got home for a late lunch. Okay, tell us about that. So Pope Francis flew to Strasbourg, not actually to visit France, mm-hmm. but to visit the institutions uh, of Europe. Yeah. Uh, first of all, he took a trip to the European Parliament, uh-huh. uh, which is the quasi-legislative body of the European, European Union, Union, which is an alliance, a political alliance, an economic alliance of 28 countries in Europe. Right. So... Uh, This is not the first time a pope has addressed the European Parliament. Mm -hmm. Pope John Paul II addressed uh, the Parliament in the late 1980s. But it certainly has been some time, and the dynamics of the institution and the continent have drastically changed. Yes, Uh, The European Union was not 28 members back then, and (laughs) there was still an iron curtain in place. So speaking to uh, the 751 members of Parliament... um, the Pope had some pretty tough words. Mm-hmm. Uh, he called the European Union haggard and less of a protagonist uh, in the world today than it ever had been. Uh, he says that people often look at it with mistrust, suspicion, and even went so far as to call it a grandmother that's no longer vibrant, uh, that it's you know all bureaucratic and that it lacks the art, the music, and the wonder that Europe uh, is so known for. He said this. In those words. Yes, in those words. Those were his wow. his analogies. So uh, one of his other big concerns uh, was about uh, member states being able to still be vibrant and diverse within the context of this larger political union. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also called on them to come together on issues like labor because youth unemployment in a lot of European Union countries is up to 20%. Mm-hmm. And he really also spoke strongly on the issue of migrants and said that the Mediterranean Sea cannot become a graveyard. Uh-huh. So many uh, migrants coming, crossing over from Africa are dying as a result of the journey. Mm. So that was the meeting with the European Parliament. But he, he also had a meeting with a different group. Yes. Uh, he quickly traveled after his speech at the Parliament to the Council of Europe. Uh, it's an institution that's there to promote democracy, to promote the rule of law in Europe. And that's most European countries are members, right. uh, save one. So... Uh, uh, speaking to the European, uh, sorry, the Council of Europe, uh, he said that to this day peace is still being violated in Europe, and that this is a big issue. Mm. Kind of alluding to what's going on in Ukraine uh, with the with the violence going on there. Uh, he also talked about the European Court of Human Rights, mm-hmm. which is a big part of the Council of Europe. Uh, he says, in many ways, it can act as a conscience for Europe, reinforcing those values. Any any member state can bring issues there. Any citizen can bring issues there if they can't deal with them at the national level. He basically told them at the end of it that the church is an expert in humanity, really quoting Paul VI and saying that really that the church is there to serve and bear witness to truth. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Anyway, all those texts are available on our website, saltandlighttv.org slash blog. The Holy Father is also doing another trip right now. Yes, the Holy Father in Turkey. Yes. Uh, The Holy Father is on a visit to Turkey, two-prong visit. Mm -hmm. Uh, First, he's visiting the uh, city of Ankara, Mm -hmm, which is the capital of Turkey. Uh, There, he's going to meet with President Erdogan, who was just recently elected in August, Mm -hmm. was previously the prime minister. And he'll meet with the new prime minister, Prime Minister Davogotlu. Uh, So that will be sort of the civic side of it. But then he travels to Istanbul, where he's going to meet with Patriarch Bartholomew of the Orthodox right. Church. Right. This is the real sort of meat and bones of his visit. Uh, he's in town for uh, the Feast of St. Andrew. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the Feast of St. Andrew is... The 30th. Yes, is big for the Orthodox Church. He is the patron mm-hmm. uh, to many of the Orthodox churches. So uh, while he's there, he'll be involved in uh, some ecumenical activities, but he'll also attend the big divine liturgy mm-hmm. uh, at St. George's, which is uh, the Patriarch's Church in what was known as Constantinople, but yes. is now Istanbul. Yes, of course. Good. And all those... Uh, the, the events can be watched on Salt and Light TV, online, saltandlighttv.org. If you're not outside our broadcast area, uh, we're streaming what we always do. We follow the Holy Father, any event, any of his journeys, we follow him. And all the texts of his speeches, his homilies, will also be published on our blog, saltandlighttv.org slash blog. Correct? Correct. Thank you very much, Stefan, for all that information. Uh, you can watch Stefan Monday through Thursday on our daily update perspectives on Salt and Light TV and online at saltandlighttv.org, and also now on Roku. Hi, I'm Adam. Hi, I'm Lori. And we're Out of Darkness. And you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up, what's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. Now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Nick and Pedro. Andrew, how are How's you doing? Everything? I'm good, thank you. Good. So you have some, some Advent saints? Yeah, absolutely. I don't have where ordinary time went. Um, yes. It just seems to have evaporated, but now we're getting into, uh, now we're getting into the, uh, the home stretch. Yes. Um, you know, the celebration of the birth of Christ, our Savior. And before we can actually get to that, we have to undergo a time of prayer and... Uh, a prayer and reflection, and we yes. all know that uh, is Advent. Yes. So I'm looking. I'm happy to look at some Advent saints uh, in this time of preparation for Christmas. So um, I want to look at two today. I want to mm-hmm. start looking at two um, people per se, um, because the first um, woman that I want to look at is not really a, a saint per se. She is the Blessed Virgin Mary. Well, she is. But yeah. She doesn't take on the name of of, of Saint, saint Mary. She take yeah. on on that before her name. Uh-huh. So we look at Holy Mary, Mother of God. Yes. And, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Holy Mary, Mother of God? We know that she was um, a teenaged Jewish virgin mm-hmm. who was really told that she would conceive miraculously by the Holy Spirit and give birth to um, who we know is the Savior of the world. Yeah. So we know Mary is a humble woman. Um, she is the ultimate believer in God, uh, whose faith was more on the order of a mountain than a mustard seed. <laughs> and I say that because uh, Mary was one of the few who witnessed Jesus Christ and the ministry that he performed here on earth. But it was a journey that kind of began and ended um, in the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that because um, darkness at first and being unable to see the promise delivered to her, she was told, you're going to be the Theotokos. You're going to deliver this hope, this light, this salvation to the world. And then, you know, look what happened at the end. Her her life her life ended up being a little dark at the end. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, um, uh, her hoped-for Savior, that young man, that beautiful creation that was given to her by God, was put to death on a cross, mm-hmm. simply put. So um, Pope Emeritus Benedict once wrote that, For Mary, as for Abraham, faith is a trust. It's an obedience to God. Even when he leads her through darkness, and it is a letting go. Uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict goes on to say, it's a releasing, a handing over of oneself to the truth to God. Faith in the luminous darkness of God's inscrutable ways is thus a confirmation to him. This is the faith that um, seeks understanding but doesn't demand it. And uh, the faith that remains true to the very end 
even when all seems lost. Mm-hmm. So I think that as we um, get into this time of prayer and reflection, into this holy and beautiful season of Advent, that we really reflect on the power and the impact of Mary. Right. Um, Good. You know, as I tell our Confirmation Catechists and our students, you know, Christ is the head of the Church, Mary's the neck, <laughs> and we are the body. So Mary is that is that bridge between us um, and Christ. So we, we look most especially this week to Holy Mary, Mother of God. Mm, Number yes. two, we look at St. John of the Cross. Um, I know uh, St. John of the Cross as a Spanish mystic. Yes. And he is really a Catholic saint who is best known for his, I would say, religious poetry. Mm-hmm. So um, St. John of the Cross, it's no accident that St. John of the Cross's feast day is actually celebrated during the Advent season. It's December the 14th. It's coming up. And it is he who's best known for um, his story of the dark night of the soul. Right. That all Christians, that all people of faith must experience on their way to God. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's, be, let's be realistic. This darkness can be terrifying. Yes. It can be very terrifying for anybody of faith and anybody of no faith. But it really is no kind of cause for hopelessness or despair. And as one Carmelite nun had written, the darkness of that Bethlehem night held the glory of God's greatest gift to humanity. Yeah. And the Carmelite friar's description of going to God through the night is not a sad uh, dirge at all. Uh, he tells us that the night he describes is really God coming to us with the intensity of a light so dazzling it overwhelms our capacity to see. So you can relate that in theory to maybe the star, the star mm-hmm. over Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. So we walk through the nights of our lives with the assurance that we will see a new dawn more glorious than we have looked at before. So, um, uh, again, something else that I tell our kids um, in the classroom, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Hmm. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. So, you know, we walk through the nights of our lives with the, assur- with the assurance that we will see a new dawn. That, you know, there is a new light. That new light is Christ. And that new light will come to us in a very profound way on December the 25th when the Church when the Universal Church celebrates uh, the birth of Christ. So um, just as we kickstart the season of Advent, um, we look at uh, Holy Mary, Mother of God, and we look at St. John of the Cross, whose feast day is December the 14th. Amen. So I, I love that. And the Feast of Mary, Mother of God, is January 1st. So yep. So uh, that's, here, there's in also the, a feast day. Uh, here in the Canadian Church, we celebrate... Um, uh, the solemnity of Holy Mary, Mother of God, on January the 1st, which is New Year's Day. And uh, it is a holy day. It's not just yes. a made-up thing. Yes, no. Want, uh, it's not that people are forced to go to church on January the 1st. Well, but in Canada... It is a, it is a um, holy it is day, day of, of obligation. obligation. Absolutely. So it's a, um, I know in the States, I believe there are eight or nine days of obligation. Mm-hmm. Yes. In Canada, um, there is much less, and Mary, Mother of God, is counted as, as, as that. One, so yeah. um, we pray to her especially on uh, January the 1st, and you know, most parishes do end up having devotions to Our Lady on a Wednesday night in any of your local Catholic parishes. I know here in Unionville, we pray to Our Lady of Perpetual Help. On, yes, on yes, night. yeah, so, we do that as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, very good. So St. John of the Cross, December 14th, and Mary, Mother of God, January 1st, two Advent saints, and maybe some, some of our listeners in the States can uh, tell us how many holy days of obligation in the United States. Um, Andrew, thank you very much. Have a blessed Advent. Same to you. And Same we'll talk to you, to you next week. Uh, on we go to Christmas. On we go. Andrew Santos is our saint expert and the youth director at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Markham, Ontario. Hi, I'm Rebecca Rubion, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour every week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129, on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network, on Holy Family Radio, on the Lamb Catholic Radio, on the Baraga Radio Network, and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood, with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. And Mark is in the studio with me. In person. In person, in the flesh, in Toronto. In stunning high-definition audio, not on the phone. Amazing, amazing. So, um... Dating? Yes. You, you, something about dating in Hollywood. So I, dating is near and dear to my heart and dating culture and how the culture has gone astray. And I want to talk about something called the Dating Project. Okay. But basically, before I talk a little bit about it, uh, we all know that there has been great confusion over dating standards, not mm-hmm. only in secular circles, but also in Christian circles. Just ask any Christian about, say, can a man and woman be just friends? You'll get disagreement from young adults all over the place. Right, so, when Harry met Sally. Exactly. Yes. So there's no clear... We've lost yeah, our culture yeah, yeah. in yeah, this of regard. Of course, of course. So, and L.A., of course, is more confused, I think, than a lot of other cities. Yeah. Um, what particularly scares me is the rise of things like no strings attached. Mm. That's basically consensual... Uh, yeah, friends with benefits. Exactly. So, yeah. that, that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. And... A lot of these changes can be attributed to, say, uh, both just cultural changes, the Industrial Revolution, uh, people are more transient, uh, they're more urban, things like the Internet. It just sort of uh, makes a lot of these dating practices of old just less applicable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even bigger has been the sexual revolution and the appearance of birth control. This has really turned um, the marriage upside down, and of course, it's going to turn courtship upside down. Mm -hmm. So the world has all sorts of wonderful answers for us with films or TV shows like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette Bachelorette. or Bagged, you know, these great dating shows. What is Bagged? Uh, I actually had a friend go on Bagged. Uh, They put a bag over your head. It's three girls. They put a bag over their head, and then the guy sort of interviews them and does activities with them and then at the end he gets to take off the bag so he can see if she's beautiful or ugly right, or not right, right. and just a reminder it's the reality shows are not real they were entirely coached <laughs> yeah, they're like yeah. oh, sorry we need you to be more catty could could you yeah, do a little bit yeah, more yeah. trash talking so yeah yeah um, yes good to know that about hollywood it, it's not reality real. tv not, <laughs> not very real, real. okay so but, the dating pro- oh sorry yeah sorry the, the dating project the dating project it's a new documentary that currently is being filmed right now mm-hmm. um and it's actually being produced by a couple friends of mine oh good. Uh, Megan Harrington and Catherine Fowler okay good uh, it's being done in the spirit of irreplaceable the film oh yeah yeah about the family yeah exactly yes. and uh, except what they're looking at is they're basically they're interviewing a number of quote-unquote dateable people, young adults who are dating all across the country Uh and just seeing how have dating mores and standards and practices changed in the 21st century. Right. And basically just kind of reporting on that and trying to find the truth. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's being directed by... John Chapiti. Um, he has lots of experience in filmmaking. I believe this is his directorial debut, but okay. he's very talented. Good. Uh, and it's being filmed uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York City. Okay. And uh, basically, I have high hopes for this. It's being funded by some notable organizations. I can't say who at this point. Right. Um, 
But uh, I just I'm asking people to keep it in your prayers uh-huh. and check it out when it comes out. Um, the working title is the Dating Project right now. Um, I believe they have the domain name reserved for that, thedatingproject.com. Um, but check back. I'll write a blog post on this, Thank and you. then we can update people about where to find out more information about it as it becomes available. Okay, good. So that is something good that is going on in Hollywood. A documentary about dating sounds fascinating. I'm very interested in knowing more. So Mark will give us more details. It'll be on our website as a blog um, and and possibly the, 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 the more information at thedatingproject.com. Correct. But possibly we'll, thedatingproject.com. We'll let you know. And if anybody has any information, let us know. Radio at saltandlighttv.org or reach out to us uh, via Facebook or at uh, Twitter. Thank you, Mark. You're good to very have welcome. you in the studio. Good to see you in person, Pedro. There you have it. What's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary today in the flesh. Hi, I'm Pasquale Tallarico, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Today's show is co-sponsored by Novalis Publishing, which is Canada's premier religious publisher, serving God's people since 1936. And to share with us about some exciting new releases by Novalis, I'm now joined by Don Byers, who is the Relationship Manager and Acquisitions Editor for Novalis Publishing. Don, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Pedro. It's great to be with you. So it's the beginning of a new liturgical year, year B. We're reading the Gospel of Mark, and I know I, I know, I look for these resources, but not just priests and deacons are looking for liturgical and scriptural resources. So do you have anything exciting uh, that you want to tell us about? Absolutely. We have our new series under our Living with Christ imprint called Getting to Know the Gospels. Uh-huh. We have three booklets this season on the Synoptic Gospels, the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, and Luke. And yes. they're written by Canadian scripture scholar, Father Scott Lewis, yes. at Regis College, a fine, fine priest and a great scripture scholar. They're short booklets, only about 32 pages, and really, despite their brevity, the books actually give a very thorough introduction to the Gospels, uh, one that are really quite a successful, actually, for Mm -hmm. those of us who uh, go to Mass and hear these Gospels proclaimed to get an insight to what the Scripture writers are trying to teach us and share with us. So this is a book that anybody, books that anybody can can have at home and, and read as they go throughout the liturgical year listening to the Gospel readings? Absolutely. People can use it for at home, and really for only a dollar ninety-five. They're (laughs) <laughs> They're great. They're very short. One could just carry it with them if they want to take anywhere, but really, really quite accessible for people who want to get a good, solid foundation in the Scriptures okay. for yeah. minimal cost. Yeah, okay, that's great. That's good to know. So you, you, you did say a dollar ninety-five. so they're correct. little books. Correct, Okay, that's, that's good. Okay, um, and then the other thing I was going to ask you is, um, I, 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 I seem, I don't know if I'm the only one, but it's, it seems that the world tries to skip right to Christmas, like right now, and it's hard for us to kind of make a point of celebrating Advent. And parents, I know when my kids were little, we were always looking for Advent activities and how do we make a point of celebrating Advent. And uh, I know you have a, a book that, uh, that has a lots of activities, um, not just for Advent, but Christmas as well, but especially for Advent. Living yes, Christmas. we actually have a new book called Living Christmas, and it's actually, as you mentioned, it's for Advent and Christmas, but yeah. what I really like about it, it's a book for kids, I would say kids younger, probably up to about age seven and eight, mm-hmm. and it's a great, colorful booklet that really helps younger kids understand uh, 
why it is that we celebrate the Advent season, what are we preparing for. Uh, it covers things such as Mary, who Mary was, and how is she instrumental in the story of God's incarnation among us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has really just very colorful activities, uh, taps into some of the symbolism that we encountered during that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, really just a very engaging book, but as you mentioned, it, it focuses, it's really perfect for Advent, but yeah. for Christmas as well. It's good in that sense, in the way that it not only teaches us some of the important elements of the Advent season, but also some of the key themes and messages of Christmas as well. Um, it really exposes kids really to the larger symbolism that they encounter during those two seasons. Yeah, good. No, I'm very excited about this book. I haven't seen it yet, but I know that when my kids were little, and I had tons of trying to find things to do, and, you know, you got the Advent wreath, but that's just one thing, and there's the Jesse tree, and there's but there's so many things that we can do that are not the Advent calendar with chocolate every day. Um, but, but this is great. So I encourage everybody to, to, to go check out, check this out. So Living Christmas is the title of the book. Um, and that's good to get now at the beginning of Advent. And then the other series is called Getting to Know the Gospel series, Getting to Know the Gospel of Matthew, Getting to Know the Gospel of Luke, and this year, Getting to Know the Gospel of Mark. And exactly. those are really good. And you're offering a promo code, as you always do, and that's WORD14, so W-O-R-D-1-4, and that's for a 20% off on all Novalis orders, but especially on these two books. And uh, people can get more information at novalis.ca, correct? Correct. Thank you very much, Don. You're welcome. Good to be with you. Don Byers is the Relationship Manager and Acquisitions Editor for Novalis Publishing. Again, that promotional code is WORD14, and that will get you 20% off all orders at novalis.ca, and that code is valid until the end of the year. Coming up in our second half hour, Sister Marie Paul Curley gets intimate with Jesus, and we catch up with singer-songwriter Janelle. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Okay, how many of you are familiar with this prayer? Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within your wounds, hide me. Permit me not to be separated from you. From the malignant enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me and bid me come to you, that with your saints I may praise you forever and ever. Amen. That's the Anima Christi, or the Soul of Christ prayer. Many of us learned that we were supposed to say it after receiving communion. But this is more than just a nice prayer. It's a prayer that invites us to familiarity with Jesus. And to tell us more, we are joined by our very own and dear Sister Marie Paul Curley. Um, She's just written a book, The Soul of Christ, Meditations on a Timeless Prayer. Sister, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Deacon Pedro. It's nice. We don't always get to start the segment with a prayer, so that was special. What do you mean familiarity, familiarity with Jesus? You know, this is a great prayer to kind of draw you in, um, to talking really directly to Jesus in a very personal way, like 
really, you know, when we think about our Catholic faith, sometimes we think about a system of truths or the creed or living a moral life, and those are all really important. Mm -hmm. But the essence of Christianity is encountering Jesus Christ. It's having a relationship with the Lord. And so I love this prayer because it starts off with soul of Christ. And how can you be more direct, more familiar than speaking directly soul to soul? You know, um, when I was... um, uh, when after I entered the convent and I used to go home, you know, every year for vacation, and it was always painful to leave my family at the end of my visits. Mm-hmm. You know, my my dad, who who is really a very stern man, um, in many ways, like his expression was always very serious, and you know, he 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 had this uh, uh, this Irish temper, and you know, a very a very strong personality, and yet, you know, um, when I was leaving to say, you know, when I'd go up to say goodbye to him, he'd look at me with his eyes just filled with with love and this gaze that like so touched me so deeply and uh, you know it was like I was encountering my dad's soul in a very special way like he didn't put it into words I don't know if my dad actually ever said the words I love you to me hmm. but he said it all with that gaze of love and it was like his soul speaking right to my soul and so when I think of starting this prayer with saying soul of Christ you, you know we're going really directly here we're going right to Jesus love for us uh, Jesus becoming uh, you know, taking on human nature for us. Wow, it's okay. So I've just kind of <laughs> I've gone into a theological treatise on you, you familiarity have, no, with but Christ, you've, you've, but it's such a personal way of addressing Jesus. It, you've, it, it's it's fascinating because can you? I mean, can we have an intimate conversation? Because it's an intimate conversation. But can you have an intimate conversation like that if you're not already intimate with someone? Or do you think that this prayer brings us into intimacy? Or can I f- find intimacy even if I'm not already intimate by saying this prayer? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think, I think that the more you... If, if, if we don't have necessarily, and I know a lot of people who don't, um, mm-hmm. sadly, who are, you know, they go to Mass every Sunday, but they don't have this warm, personal, familiar, or intimate relationship with Christ, I think praying this prayer can start to transform that. It, mm-hmm. it, it can bring us in. It can remind us that right. Jesus, you know, Jesus wants to be so close to us that he takes on the appearance of bread and wine so that we can receive him physically. Yeah. There is no greater intimacy than receiving communion. You know, that, that is like the ultimate, you yeah. know, intimacy as, as human beings. What else? That is so beautiful, so intimate. So uh, it's, yeah, I think this prayer can draw us into it, and, and then we can develop it, you know, in our other prayer, our other times of prayer, or maybe right. we can find ourselves. Sometimes I just pick one petition from the prayer, and I just pray that throughout the day. I right. just carry it with me. Right. You just answered my next question without me even asking it, because I was going to ask you. Now, this is a prayer that I did not learn, and I did not learn that I was supposed to say it after communion. Um, ah. That's something that I've learned recently, and, and I've heard you say that this book is really about the Eucharist, and I was going to ask you why, and, but I guess you just told me, because the Eucharist is the most intimate Maybe not the most intimate, but uh, would you say it is the most intimate uh, encounter, encountering of Christ, maybe? I would, I, you know, I would guess that as human beings here on Earth, um, restricted to time and space and not really touching eternity, yes. per se, I would say that the Eucharist is, in an ideal kind of way, I would say the Eucharist would would mm-hmm. have to be the most intimate way that we can encounter Christ, because we encounter Him physically and spiritually, and and, right. and in every aspect. I mean, he's there, so you know, soul and body. Yes. And 
God and man um, there with us. So that would be my, but, you know, I, I am not a doctor in theology. So, <laughs> no, I, um, I, but that's, know, most uh, people but are I, not. I would, yeah. <laughs> most people are not. And I, and I think <laughs> this is, this is comforting. Um, do you, people, a lot of people struggle with connecting mass with their daily life. Would you say that your book, and I want to get to the book, um, it, it's about the prayer, it's about the Eucharist, but it's ultimately about mass? It's ultimately about growing in our relationship with Christ by um, meditating on on Jesus and especially on his presence in the Eucharist. So it's a combination of, um, you know, it's, it's, it's focusing on our relationship with Christ and the spiritual life and, and, and how to do that in everyday life. Mm-hmm. But it's also very much bringing that um, growth into our, our Eucharistic prayer. So, yeah, um, when we... You know, any time um, that we're praying before, you, you know, before Jesus in the Eucharist, or we go to Mass, um, there's that possibility of bringing the Mass with us into mm-hmm. daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the beauties of this book is that it's coming out of my own personal experience of connecting, you know, the Mass and and what that means for me to to. I go to Mass daily, mm-hmm. and what that means for living that in my daily life. Like, how do I bring my time with Jesus, whether it's the Mass or Eucharistic adoration or, you know, just a brief time of prayer, how do I bring that into daily life? How does it change me so that I am more of a, of a person who is a servant, so, so that I am more of a person who is strengthened by, you know, by Christ's grace and Christ's light? Um, I think sometimes we... You know, we just take the Eucharist for granted. My, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I, I have a, a, I open with a, a little story. I open the book with a little story about uh, a little boy who's going to receive his first communion. Yeah. And yes. He's, you know, he's thinking that uh, that the news cameras should be there at his first communion, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, he's asking his godmother, "Are they going to be there?" And and she's kind of clueless, and she's like, "Well, why would the news cameras be there? Why would you be on the TV news for receiving your first communion?" And he says. Because this is the biggest moment of my life until I get married. This is yeah. this is huge. Jesus is coming to me in Holy Communion. And, you know, he was right. If we allow our relationship with, if we really go deep in our encounter with Christ, then we're changed for the better. Mm-hmm. We're changed very deeply. And so, yeah, it's not just a matter of, you know, praying prayers through the day. I don't mean, I mean, that's wonderful if you can do that, um, but I don't know about you, but I tend to get very involved in what I'm doing, but it's, yes. it's that spirit of uniting that with Jesus, and it's the spirit of wanting to be of service that Jesus lives, you know, that Jesus reveals to us in the Eucharist right. um, that we bring into our daily life. Right. So. Yeah, um, you've organized the book. It, the, the prayer is not a long prayer. It has, what, 10, 11 lines. Have you organized each, is it each chapter per line to help people yeah, go deeper? Yeah, pretty much. I, I kind of cheated at one point when I had too much material, <laughs> and I slid the <laughs> magicians around a little bit. But mostly it's one line gets a chapter, and uh, the first part of the chapter is like a phrase-by-phrase meditation on the prayer because it's so rich and beautiful. And right. It's, you know, it's recommended by so many saints to say this prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second part is really connecting that prayer and this, that line, that theme of that line, with a scriptural passage and then bringing it into an hour of adoration. So okay. it's a book to reflect with and also to pray with. You can, okay. you can do either or both. Okay, good. And so obviously it's a book for anybody. If you know how to read, you can read this book and you can pray with it. That's, that's your hope for this book. Yeah, and to, and to let... 
um, to help people like let Jesus' love for us, especially His Eucharistic love, transform us. To know that we're loved, and 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 to allow that to change us, so that we don't have to be afraid. We can be free um, in in loving and serving others in our daily life. Amen. What a what a good uh, <laughs> a good mission. <laughs> um, thank you for writing the book, Sister. Thank you for sharing it with us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Deacon Pedro. Sister Marie Paul Curley is a member of the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. Her latest book, Soul of Christ, Meditations on a Timeless Prayer, is published by Pauline Books and Media. You can learn more at pauline.org. You can also read Sister Marie Paul's blog at windows2thesoul.wordpress.com, and you can listen to her monthly film review column on this program. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Janelle, with Amazing, from her album, Living for Something. The morning cold and raining dark before the dawn could come How long in twilight waiting, longing for the rising sun Oh, oh You came like crashing thunder breaking through these walls of stone To all this great
was Janelle with Amazing from her album, Livin' for Something. Way back in January 2009, our very first featured artist on our first program was a young and talented singer-songwriter from Alberta by the name of Janelle. Now, I had met Janelle about seven years before when we were planning World Youth Day 2002. Janelle was chosen to sing the French version of our World Youth Day 2002 theme song, Lumière du Monde. So hers is a voice that many of you have heard. Since then, Janelle has released three albums, has appeared in numerous radio and TV, magazine and newspaper interviews, and has received several music industry awards, including Best New Artist, Contemporary Album of the Year, and Female Singer of the Year. She has also received two Juno nominations, which are the equivalent of the American Grammy Awards. She has toured extensively across Canada, the United States, New Zealand, and parts of Europe. Last year, Janelle and her husband Jason partnered with two other couples to start a ministry event called Festival of Praise. And also, I have to mention that about three weeks ago, Janelle and Jason welcomed their fifth child, Jonathan, to their family and to tell us about that and everything else. I'm now joined by Janelle. Janelle, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Welcome again to the Salt and Light Hour. Yes, thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. It's just a pleasure to be back. So congratulations on the birth of Jonathan. (laughs) Yes, we are just smitten with him, and everybody's adjusting well, so it's been a very smooth transition, which I'm very grateful for. (laughs) Yeah, so Jonathan is your fifth. You have Eric, who is 11, 12. How old is Eric? Yeah, he just turned 12, and then uh, we have Monique, Monique. who's 7, and Joshua, who's almost 6, and then um, Michael, Michael. who's 2, and then baby Jonathan. Jonathan. So it's a full house. It is. So... uh, I've read, and I mean, I know this because I know you, but so your your singing career, your music career, recording, obviously slowed down a little bit. You're focusing on family. Um, being a mother and a wife is very important for you. That's right. I mean, this is a different season of my life, but yes. because music has always been a big part of my life, even since I was a little girl, of course, I could never let that go because it's just part of who I am. And so um, my husband, Jason, and I have decided to just kind of bring the music industry, um, you know, feeds home a little bit more. And so we decided to start this ministry called Festival of Praise just yeah. uh, so that it happens once a month in our parish. And then mm-hmm. that way we don't have to travel so much. And I see. The tour bus and, you know, all the, ni- the whole I nine see. yards. So um, it's just been a really beautiful experience because, um, you know, for so long, for 10 years we toured. And so we weren't really part of a 
um, you know, a faith community in a local area because we would just attend Mass in right. whatever city we were in. And uh, so it's been a beautiful experience to really plug in and get mm-hmm. to know people on a real personal level and also train some leaders and train some people that have a heart for ministry. Um, right. Because for so long people invested in us and gave us a lot of tips along the way, and so now we get to kind of do the same for others, and uh, and it's been really rewarding and, and just a great a great experience. Yeah, I, and I do want to know more about Festival of Praise, but um, I want to go back to what you said about touring. I, I remember, in fact, just before we called you, I was speaking with our, our, our sound engineer here, Javier, who he remembers, like, Janelle, we filmed her in concert in <laughs> Toronto, I don't know, six years ago, and she brought her whole family. And I remembered, I think Eric was a little boy, and he was playing playing the drums. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you did that for a long... That must have been very difficult, but again, it was also a season... That's right. I mean, um, you know, God gives us the grace that we need for whatever He's calling us to. And so um, Eric toured with us from the time he was born, probably till the time he was about six, six or seven. And Mm -hmm. we actually toured with Monique and with Joshua. Um, But then right after Joshua, I actually um, went through a really difficult time just health-wise. I got um, mono and a thyroid dysfunction and Uh postpartum depression all at once. And so for two years, it was kind of dark night of the soul Mm -hmm. and spiritually and as well as my body kind of just said, uh, I think you're on overload. (laughs) And I certainly am not a superhero, I realized. (laughs) And so I needed to just really scale back. And so, um, you know, that was a very challenging time for Mm -hmm. us and our family. Um, But at the same time, it was a very beautiful experience. And I truly believe that it was um, God preparing the fertile soil for um, the festival of praise, with praise, which is now kind of like the second chapter of of uh, our ministry, I think, in in, in yeah. what we're doing right now. So, 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 tell us. So, what is FOP FOP Festival of yeah. Praise? Um, we we uh, affectionately call it the FOP, and uh, so FOP obviously stands for Festival of Praise, and we're calling it a revolution. Yeah. Um, basically, what happened was um, about ten years ago when we were touring, mm-hmm. um, we stopped in Steubenville, Ohio, yeah. and visited some friends there prior to me speaking at one of their conferences, and um, they took us to this event. They said, oh, this is a great event. You guys got to come. It's called a, f- it's called a Festival of Praise. And so I was like, what the heck is Festival of Praise? And they're like, well, you know, you come and experience it. So Jason and I went, and it was basically just a, um, a wonderful evening. Um, all the university students were in the gym, and um, the lights were dim, and there was a praise and worship band on, a, on the stage in front of us. And um, we had a wonderful time of, of praise music, and then things got kind of quiet, and the music kind of turned more worshipful. Mm-hmm. And then um, it got real dark, and all of a sudden everybody got all got on their knees kind of all at once, and I was wondering, you know, I wonder, you know, what's going on. And all of a sudden, out of the back of my, um, kind of behind me, I could yeah. tell there was something going on, and I, when I turned, what it was was there was this main spotlight coming from the back, and it was illuminating on a procession. Mm-hmm. And what it was was a procession of the Blessed Sacrament. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, a priest and and uh, some others we know were following, and the Blessed Sacrament came, and when it passed by me, um, as I was kneeling and just really kind of overwhelmed with emotion because it was just such a powerful moment, in my heart of hearts I just heard God say, one day I want you to start this in Lloydminster. Hmm. And that was such a 
a powerful moment for me that I just started weeping. And it was so interesting because that night I wrote it in my journal. And, you know, at the time I was basically living out of my tour bus. We were touring all over the States. Um, we were living in Radway, not even in Lloydminster at all, though my husband is originally from Lloydminster, Alberta. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Lloydminster wasn't even on my radar as far as a place that we would even ever live. And so, you know, fast forward 10 years, um, we've been in Lloydminster now for seven years, and, uh, you know, God would call us to start this ministry in Lloydminster, just like he had spoken to my heart mm-hmm. so long ago, um, and yet this was the timing for it. So, so interesting, um, yeah. when we first uh, had the idea of starting the Festival of Praise in Lloyd, um, you know, kind of concretely, because of course I had been thinking about it for quite a few years and praying on it, um, it was such a neat experience because our Archdiocese of Edmonton had just completed a five-year Nothing More Beautiful evangelization yes. initiative. Yes. And um, I had the um, beautiful opportunity to be able to part, be part of the Archdiocese mm-hmm. and Pastoral Committee where we were, we were able to hash out a lot of these themes and, yes. and really live a lot of what um, Nothing More Beautiful was trying to accomplish in the parishes. And, and so it was just a very natural progression of the, that at the end of Nothing More Beautiful, um, you know, this kind of new initiative would be born. And so basically what it is is um, a night of, uh, we start, of course, there's my band is playing, yeah. and so we, we animate it with, with uh, praise music at the beginning, lots of high-energy stuff, and then um, we have like a big screen with all the lyrics up on it. And, um, and then what we do is we have a speaker that speaks for 20 minutes on a particular topic, mm-hmm. and then after that we have... Um, we have Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, and it's done to music. And then we have uh, what we call our interactive prayer activity, um, where I lead an activity uh, where we ask people to come forward and to respond to Christ. Um, and so, and they're always very creative. Uh, one, one time we had, um, it was all on getting rid of our baggage. And so the speaker had spoken on getting rid of our baggage, and we had a little video clip on, mm-hmm. you know, the baggage of life and, and to leave it at the foot of the cross and so on and so forth. Yeah. And then people, we gave, passed out, um, after the Blessed Sacrament had been exposed, we passed out um, papers and pens. And um, as everybody was kind of kneeling and adoring, we, we um, invited them to speak with Christ about a particular type of trauma or baggage that they had been carrying that they wanted to submit to Christ. And so they wrote it on a piece of paper, and then we had big pieces of luggage at the front of the altar. And they, everybody came forward hmm. and uh, put their pieces of paper in the luggage, and then we had somebody, um, you know, dressed like Jesus come forward and take all the baggage away, and then right. we burnt them out in the parking lot. Yeah. And so, and, you know, in this time where Christ is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, is just beautiful because they're able to, um, you know, just be with Him, and, and He can speak to their hearts through the music and just in the times of quiet and silence, and then, of course, have a concrete response mm-hmm. with our interactive prayer activity at the end. So um, people have just been flocking to these events. We're getting people from all over the place, you know, coming out to Lloydminster, um, and it's just been a beautiful community-building event, and one that has really been a faith builder for, yeah. for so many. What a great idea, Janelle. We have to leave it there because we're out of time. But um, I hope that this has been inspiring for our listeners. Maybe they can start one or a similar event in their own parishes. I'm sure mm-hmm. they can contact you for, for ideas. Um, uh, and you can get all that information at fopfoprevolution.com. Um, Janelle, thank you very much. Congratulations again on the birth of Jonathan. and thank you. And hello to Jason. 
You can learn more about Janelle at her website, janelle.cc. And as I said, learn more about Festival of Praise at foprevolution.com. Here now is Janelle with Here I Am from her album, What I Gotta Say. Listening to Janelle with Here I Am from her album What I Gotta Say. And that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests. A special thank you to Novalis Publishing for sponsoring this edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can visit Novalis online at novalis.ca. And now you can save on your next order. Remember to use the promotion code WORD14. That's W-O-R-D-1-4. WORD14 to receive 20% off all orders. This offer is good until the end of the year. And remember to like us on Facebook and stay tuned on what's going on with the program and behind the scenes by following me on Facebook, Deacon Pedro, or on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. Next week, we'll be speaking Advent with beloved liturgical composer Dan Schutte and also speaking with Jerry Gallipo of World Library Publications. So you don't want to miss that show. Thank you for listening. A blessed beginning to the Advent season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Mm-hmm.